Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and joining me for episode 245 of the show is none other than Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back to another week of talking about the Red Sox, a week after we guaranteed that they would be 500 by now. How do you feel? Yeah, well, you know, when you've got uh, five games against Baltimore and then uh, a quick little two-game series against uh, the worst team in baseball, you tend to feel confident, and then it turns out you're wrong. Wait, you're supposed to win those games against <laughs> against the Orioles and the Reds? You're supposed to win all those? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no one told the Red Sox, though. Huh. <laughs> Failed to get that message across. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to go 2-6 and six against those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. Whatever it was. Um, what was it? 2 Two and three uh, versus the O's, and then one and maybe one and one. Uh, so, yeah, my math is way off. But um, anyhow, you get the gist. They didn't do what they were supposed to do against these teams. So uh, that's that's going to be part of what we talk about today. And um, 
you know, a lot of the same old issues uh, with this Red Sox team, but some of those issues have actually gotten a little bit worse um, since the last time we spoke. Some have gotten better, um, but let's start with the bad stuff here. The bullpen woes uh, continue for the Boston Red Sox, and, and it's not been good. Um, it's been a big reason why the team didn't perform against these lowly squads that we were talking about, and uh, you know, not the only reason. Certainly, Rich Hill's uh, dud of a start, and then lack of offense uh, against Luis Castillo and others who pitch very well. So, you know, Luis Castillo is a great pitcher, so it's hard to uh, to to be too mad about that. But <clears throat> overall, this bullpen not looking great. Um, you know, we were we were sort of fooled very early in the season. And I thought maybe it'll be okay, and then, uh, you know, water rose to the the level that it you know was supposed to be. They've really butchered that. But anyhow, you get what I'm saying. Uh, boats and water and all that stuff. Anyhow, here are the numbers. Uh, 26th in F4 in terms of the bullpen right now. Second highest barrel percentage allowed. That is not what you want. That means one team has been worse. Uh, and that team is the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the highest average exit velocity allowed uh, per hit. So that is not good. 20th in ERA, 11th in skills adjusted or skills interactive ERA, and 12th in hard contact rate. Um, so none of those are good metrics uh, for this bullpen. And on top of that, we have a whole bunch of injuries and, and guys who are kind of uh, floating in and out of this bullpen right now. So uh, Matt Barnes was just IL'd with quote-unquote shoulder inflammation. Uh, this feels like a very phantom IL stint to me. What do you say, Keaton? Yeah. Um, feels like that to me, too. I mean, he hasn't found it at all. Um, I I, <clears throat> I mean, I guess I, I, I could see it kind of both ways, though, because you see it in the numbers that uh, while his walks are usually never great, they're worse than they usually are. And his strikeouts are almost like half of what they usually are, uh, which typically does indicate some like actual injury issues. But then if that's the case, then it kind of wonders like, how did the man get 20 appearances in 17 innings pitching through injuries? And like a lot of them in high leverage. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but, you know, a lot of the numbers actually uh, back up what is going on with him this year. Um, so just looking at individual pitches, uh, Matt Barnes's four-seam fastball, which is typically, you know, a bread-and-butter pitch for him, a uh, pitch that he relies on quite a lot. Um, batters are slugging, um, let's see, here it is, 700 uh, versus that pitch this year with a batting average of 350 and the expected numbers on that are actually worse for the expected slugging 784 so uh, I mean Matt Barnes has definitely seen his velocity go down on that pitch um, 94 miles an hour versus 95 almost 96 last year um, you know 2019 we're looking at almost 97 on that pitch um, Velo's way down command sucks um, 
There's not a lot of good to talk about with Matt Barnes, so it was a bit of a mercy uh, IL stint for him. Maybe he is actually hurt. Maybe this is a good thing for him. But right now, it's just like we're counting the days until Matt Barnes' contract is off the books because this looks like a really bad deal. But in addition to to Matt Barnes's IL stint, um, the the Red Sox lost Matt Strom for a little bit of time last week with a COVID IL stint. Um, he is now back, so that's good news for the bullpen. But Hansel Ro- Robles is on the IL with back spasms, um, and back in the rotation or in the bullpen, I should say, is Phillips Valdez, Ryan freaking Brazier in the head, head tilt. And uh, Hirokazu Sawamura. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. One other touch on Barnes, though. His spin rate is um, down over like 100 RPM on all of his, all three of his pitches as well. So perhaps he is actually injured. So maybe we're a little too hard on him. But, I mean, results, regardless, not great. <clears throat> and if that is the case, uh, again, it kind of like, why was he getting so much usage? But... We talked about last time uh, we were excited that Brazier finally was DFA'd, uh, but then he passed through waivers, so we were both like, oh, great, he's going to be back. Didn't expect it to be less than a week later. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, no, it's 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 way too fast for me. Um, yeah. And and we were kind of excited about Brazier and, and Samamora being jettisoned here. Um, Valdez, too, has done nothing this year to you know, warrant having a spot in this bullpen. Um, Why all the Sawamura hate, though? Well, just because Sawamura hasn't been very effective when he's been in. You know, he's really pitched a lot of junk innings uh, with the team, not a lot of high leverage stuff, and he hasn't performed particularly well. So, you know, I think that Sawamura certainly isn't deserving of uh, Brazier-level ire, but certainly not been anywhere close to the sort of back-end guy that we thought that he could be and that we saw for glimpses last year. He has the, uh, if you, you know, not including Kevin Ploiecki's zero ERA, uh, he has the fifth best ERA in the bullpen. Yeah, I just don't think his other numbers are very good if you dig into his... um, expected stats and things like that so i don't know he hasn't passed the eye test for me either has he looked good to you he's looked fine yeah i mean mean, that's not bad he's just fine he's not somebody that they can rely on i don't think in in a late inning situation. I feel like there are too many guys on this team right now who fit into that category of like either fine or bad. Cause when you're looking at the late innings for this team, who are you turning to? You're turning to uh, John Schreiber, who's probably been the team's best reliever right now. Um, you're turning to Austin Davis, who's definitely not a late inning guy, Jake Diekman, who has late inning stuff, but walks everybody. And Tyler Danish probably isn't a late inning guy either. Uh, even though he's pitched well, and and Tanner Houck is not being used in that role. He's being used as a long guy. So, you know, there's really just, there's not a lot of options to turn to when you have the lead in the seventh, eighth, or ninth innings. So is it just a matter of having too many of those blah middle guys that he's just the odd man out? 
I think so. Yeah, because I I think ultimately, like, he's a guy you use, you know, in in situations where, you know, maybe you have to bring a guy in uh, with men on base, um, you know, in the middle of an inning um, to kind of mop up a little bit. I, I just don't think that Cora has shown much trust in Salamora. He certainly hasn't used him in spots where, you know, you'd expect him to use a, a trusted reliever. It just seems like, for whatever reason, Cora has been out on Sawamura. I mean, what what do you think about his usage? Because to me, that's one thing that I've noticed. Yeah, um, I guess it hasn't really stood out to me. Um, it's also not a guy that I'm, you know, looking towards in a close game uh, late in late innings. I just... Uh, Whenever he comes in, I'm not, I'm not expecting an implosion, which sadly is uh, <laughs> kind of like a good thing with this bullpen. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just he's that kind of bland vanilla that uh, makes him look a little bit better just because of the bullpen he's in. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And like to give you the numbers behind what I'm talking about right now, while while you were just chatting, uh, I I brought this up. So 2022, he's been used in 16 low leverage situations, 16 innings, I should say, of low leverage uh, situations. Uh, he's been used in two thirds of an inning in medium leverage, and one third of high leverage. So that tells me Cora is petrified of this guy in any sort of meaningful spot. Well, I mean, someone's got to pitch those innings. Well, right. But Sawamura is, you know, he's being used in like the Matt Barnes, like, well, we'll throw him in when it doesn't matter. Roll. So what, who, who do you think should be pitching those instead? Um, I guess what was, so you're, you, you were bummed that he was back. Yes. So, so do you think that he should not be part of the bullpen and pitching in that role? Correct. Yeah. So I think that it's totally fine if you want to use, uh, a guy like Danish in that role or, or somebody like that Danish or Austin Davis, I think is suited to those low leverage roles. Um, I don't think Harakazu Sawamura really adds anything to this bullpen. I mean, instead of bringing up Sawamura or Brazier or Valdez again, uh, if it were me uh, managing the team, uh, which sadly it is not, and I'm sure the paycheck would be quite a bit better. Um, but I, I would definitely turn to some of the young guys who are down at AAA. So uh, Edward Bizardo uh, is a guy who's performing really well. He pitched another pretty solid outing. Uh, tonight at AAA Worcester. Um, you know, I think he's got stuff that is quite a bit better than Salamora's at this point. Uh, he's performed really well this year. He's striking out a lot of guys, not walking a lot of people. Um, he's a name that makes a lot of sense. Um, Frank Herman um, makes a ton of sense. He just came up from AA. I actually saw him when I was up in Portland, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. And the stuff was just dominant from him. So he got a promotion. 
Um, looks good down in Worcester as well. So I think that that stuff would play right away. And then AJ Politi is another guy who was just recently promoted to Worcester. So I don't know whether they're just kind of slow rolling uh, Herman and, and Politi because they just recently got up to Worcester. But I, I got to think that all three of those guys probably have better stuff than, than Sawamura at this point. And at the very least, like, why not bring up Bizardo if you're going to wait a little bit on the other two? Uh, I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I, I don't really understand the uh, relentless clinging to depth with with these guys who we kind of know exactly what they are in Brazier and Sawamura and Valdez. I mean, at least with Valdez, you can justify it and say, like, we've seen flashes of him looking good, uh, even though he completely loses it and melts down at times. But, you know, at this point, you're trying to get back into contention here. You're trying to get to 500. You need to press all the buttons you can. And if it costs you a couple older bullpen arms and a little bit of depth, like so be it. Okay, that's fair. So let's talk a little bit of Schreiber, though, because that's a name that I wanted to talk about, um, about his usage here. He's been, I think, inarguably the most dominant uh, bullpen arm in the, the pen um, since he's come up and, you know, started pitching, he's striking everybody out. He's not walking anybody. Do you feel like, um, Cora ought to move Schreiber to the closer role and solidify that position and use him, you know, specifically out of that role, uh, to stabilize it and sort of give everybody a role? Cause we've talked about this in the past about how, um, Pitchers and, and players in general seem to perform better when given a specific spot where they know they're going to be coming in. Um, and do you think it'd be beneficial to kind of give that trickle down effect to the rest of the bullpen uh, moving forward? I sure do. And I'd love to see it. And particularly the fact that he just doesn't walk anybody. Um, he has been spectacular to watch. And I think that. <clears throat> <laughs> Bailey and I talked about this on one of the the precap episodes that we both believe you don't have to spend a gazillion dollars to find a uh, like a lights out closer because I mean we've seen like uh, Koji in that season was like option six before he finally found him. Um, Whitlock last year obviously wasn't initially the plan. Uh, Workman that year. Also wasn't initially the plan. So you can go into seasons and end up finding somebody and have an incredibly successful season at closer. Um, although it, at some point you just kind of have to either commit or admit that you've just run out of options and kind of stick someone there. Uh, and I was getting real close to that limit with this bullpen and just saying, like I think we talked about, we spent a lot of uh, the last episode of this podcast talking about uh, Whitlock and you know moving him back to that role to solidify the bullpen and uh, <clears throat> solutions for how to replace him in the rotation and and that uh, and I think they have that solution now with Schreiber here and I think they need to pull that trigger and hand him the keys, let him have it. And, and see how successful he can be in that role because they're they're using him in those high leverage situations. He's obviously thriving there. Um, 
Love that he doesn't walk anybody. That is a huge relief to this bullpen that is just nowhere else to be found. Uh, and then coupled with, like you said, he's like striking everybody out. He's just electric. And that's the kind of stuff you want out of a closer like that. So he's proven. I mean, he's handled the high leverage situations that they've given him. He has the stuff to do it. He's got the uh, tertiary numbers there to back that up. Uh, he really seems like he can handle the job. And I just think that it would make everybody else more comfortable in their roles if you have somebody with that label. I know for a reason the Red Sox are just terrified of that closer label being put on someone, but it really does make things a lot easier on the players themselves when that is there. So, yeah, I I would love it if they would uh, commit to him and then kind of just let the rest of the bullpen uh, and the other roles, including you know Whitlock's role in the in the rotation, be more solidified, more defined, and let them just thrive in their roles that way. And I think Schreiber could do it. Yeah, I think he could too. And you know he's performed really, really well in medium leverage situations and in high leverage situations this year. Um, he's performed well in every situation, but you're right, the moment hasn't looked too big for him at any point. And his, his slider is a legitimate wipeout pitch. I mean, he's got an over 30% uh, put-away rate on that pitch. Um, and his his four-seam fastball and his sinker, which are really the other two pitches that he throws quite a bit, aren't, aren't getting hit at all. And, and particularly, his sinker is extremely hard to square up. So he's got a really nice mix of pitches a very different arm slot. So I think that that is hard for guys to pick up and definitely a a different change. Um, You know, just, just a different look, um, which I think is always challenging. Um, So I'd like to see them give him the keys too. I don't understand the uh, reluctance to do this. I I think it's probably one of these, like, you know, sabermetric want to maintain your flexibility and be able to use guys in any situation things. But uh, again, human beings here that we're dealing with. So, um, you know, optimal on paper and, and optimal in real life are two different things. So, you know, I'd love to see Cora voices opinion a little bit more and kind of force the issue with that. Um, but yeah, uh, I agree. Um Let's go ahead and move. Actually, one more thing before we move off the bullpen. I have one more bone to pick. Tyler Danish should be the one uh, filling in and pitching bulk innings. If you're going to put Tanner Houck in the bullpen, why not use him in late innings? Oh, instead of pitching multiple innings? Yeah, like, I don't really want Hauk doing what he's been doing, which is essentially <laughs> piggybacking, right? <clears throat> like, I'd love to see Hauk come and blow guys away at the end of games. I mean, if, if we're looking at his game log, um, since he's been, you know, since he's gone to the pen, um, I mean, really, he's pitched average, like, almost three innings per appearance so two innings three innings four innings three innings two and two thirds two and a third three innings uh one and two thirds innings like he's being used as a bulk guy essentially following starters who are making uh short starts um i don't think that's the best way to utilize a guy with his stuff especially when your bullpen is hurting for 
high leverage guys. Agreed. We've also seen him used in those high leverage situations last year uh, and in high leverage uh, or high pressure situations in the playoffs. And we already know he's very good at it. Yeah, he's damn so, yeah, good. <laughs> could be another weapon. Um, yeah, I. it still seems like they're committed to trying to use him as a starter in some form. And they just want him to be ready in case they need to um, pull the trigger on him as a starter. But... I mean, they've had situations where spot starts and they haven't gone to him. So, it yeah, it's just like they're confused on how they ultimately want to use him, which I don't think is benefiting him or the team. <laughs> so, yeah, again, yeah. no roles. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, <clears throat> that's exactly what you do with a guy like Tyler Danish, who's having an unexpectedly good season. Like I mentioned, I mean, he's not walking anybody. He's striking out a lot of guys. Certainly, maybe he's not being used in, in, in situations that may might be as important as the ones that Tanner Houck's been used in. But, like, he's gone more than two innings uh, in an outing or two innings plus, um, like, five or six times already. So it's not like he can't come in and do that. And also, you don't really care. Like, if, if Tyler Danish is getting overworked uh, for you to benefit your bullpen in the long term, like... Oh, well, sorry, Tyler. You're Tyler Danish. You're here to get overworked. Brutal. <laughs> it's true, man. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. Yeah, he's... he's... If we're... I mean, especially with how the Red Sox bullpen has been overworked in the in the Alex Cora era, when we get to the end of the year, I would much rather have Tanner Houck with a fresher arm than Tyler Danish. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, that's what you're here for, Tyler. Sorry. All right, well, let's get to uh, an actual prospect, unlike Tyler Danish. Um, Josh Winkowski uh, made his first start for the Red Sox. It was a bit of a spot start here coming up. Uh, What were your impressions of Mr. Winkowski in his first uh, little go-round, little three-inning job here for the Red Sox against Baltimore. Yeah. Um, short. Uh, it was mostly good. This is all the runs came at, at one time, uh, or in one inning, if memory serves. Um, I just caught the box score action of that. Um, I didn't catch any of the actual games over the weekend. Because uh, it was a holiday weekend, so um, <clears throat> I just saw what happened in the box score, and it looked like um, the beginning of the outing went pretty well. Um, and then it was just as the the deeper he got, uh, things started to catch up on him. Um, strung some hits together, ran into some walk trouble. Um, for a, for a first major league start, it's not all that bad. Didn't I mean? It looks like. Um, it was just through the repetitiveness, the Orioles started to figure him out. Um, but uh, also the post-game comments, I did catch that from Cora, um, were also very positive. He liked, Cora really liked what he saw. Uh, mentioned that um, he looked like a big leaguer and really expected it to be back sooner rather than later. Um, which uh, obviously lends a lot of confidence in the man and thought that uh, that outing was a pretty positive outing for him. So, uh, were you? Did you watch with your own eyes, not just uh, quotes and box scores? 
I, I caught some highlights. I didn't uh, get to watch the entire start because like you, I was uh, dragging myself around to, to some cookouts. But I did. I was curious because I've only seen uh, Winkowski against minor league competition uh, yeah. to this point because he, you know, this was his major league debut here. Um, but one of the things that I did like about him was the big fastball and, and the fact that he was able to kind of maintain that uh, through the three innings that he did pitch. I mean, it's not a tremendously long start or anything like that, but, you know, 97 mile an hour fastball uh, in, in a starter's role is going to play. And really what it made me think of, though, was seeing the big fastball and the big slider that he has. And it's a good slider, too. It's it's a legitimate out pitch uh, for him. It made me think, oh, here's another potential bullpen late inning option um and, and again like Winkowski okay maybe he could be a back-end starter like if you really squint maybe Josh Winkowski makes it someday as like a five starter but I think he could probably be a leverage arm um with with the stuff that he has and I think the one concern with Winkowski in the past has been whether or not the command is good enough I think the control is pretty good but the command with his pitches sort of comes and goes a little bit um so, you know, the first thing I thought was, why aren't we exploring this guy as uh, an option in the Major League bullpen? Interesting. Right, because, like, this isn't Brian Bayo. This isn't somebody who you're like, okay, this could be the <clears throat> next, like, impact starter for me. Like, this is maybe a fifth starter profile. So if your team needs a seventh inning guy with some nasty stuff, and this guy's pumping 97 with a wipeout slider, okay. That'll work. Well, he's having a better year, though, this year in AAA. You're not, you're not buying the sample size as a step forward? I don't think it's a step forward to like having a mid-rotation ceiling or anything like that. I still see a back-end profile because the thing we haven't seen with Winkowski is the true development of a third pitch at this point. We're still sort of waiting on that change-up uh, to come around and be a reliable third pitch. So, you know, he's he's got the two fastballs in the slider, but really you're not looking at a guy who, you know, I'd trust to turn the lineup over. At the big league level. I think it's a huge gap between AAA and managing, you know, lineups there at AAA versus yep. coming up to a major league lineup. Interesting. So you don't want you don't even want to give him the chance? You just want to put him right in the pen? Yep. I just want to put him in the pen because I think that <laughs> it's it's not worth it to me. And I don't think it should be worth it to the Red Sox either to, like, really let your bullpen languish. When you have a guy who could go in there and help uh, right away, then to you know hold out hope that you have a, a team-controlled fifth starter for the future, you know, like that's just not the the thing that a team with this type of financial muscle should do. You can always go out and find fifth starters, um, certainly in the offseason. Yeah. So, like, it's just it's it's not a hot commodity. I'd rather have a reliable seventh inning guy. Yeah. Man, I feel like you uh you were coming in hot after the bullpen today. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, well, you know, You're I've been doing not some messing around. Thinking. Yeah, I mean, like you watch this bullpen. There's only so much a human being can take of watching this bullpen <laughs> get the shit pounded out of them, and at some point, yeah. you got to be like, okay, where are the solutions? Okay, Bizarro's a solution. Uh, Winkowski's a solution. I mean, these guys, if I'm not mistaken, both are on the forty man roster as well. So yeah, Winkowski's on the forty. Uh, who was the other one I said? Bizarro. Bizarro. Yeah, he definitely is on the 40. Uh, oh, no, he's not. He's he's off the 40 right now. I'm not sure why that's the case. That I thought he was weird. on the 40 before. Um, but it, it doesn't matter. Bizarro's 26. Like, put him on the 40. There's there's plenty of crap you can move around. Like Ron uh, Brazier. Yeah, get exactly. Throw him into the sun. Who cares? Um, but, yeah, get get your best arms in there, man. I like it. Yeah. All of it. Give me all of it. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, speaking of Brian Bayo, uh, who, who's a name I teased, um, you know, Bayo has, has done nothing but come up to AAA and just be like an absolute dude. Um, you know, and since we're not doing the, uh, the Prospect podcast weekly anymore, we're kind of waiting that for monthly. Uh, that frees me up to do what I like to do, which is uh, talk and dream about uh, some prospect pitchers. Um, and I know that, Keaton, you like to do that too, because we used to do a little podcast called the Dynasty's Child Podcast where we do just that. Sure um, did. So Bayo uh, at AAA, three starts. Here they are. 10Ks, one walk, two earned runs. 10Ks, three walks, two earned runs. 6Ks, four walks. Two earned runs. Pretty good start there, buddy. I'm starting to think to myself, this is the best pitching prospect that the Red Sox have had since Clay Buckholz. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. That's pretty good. That is a big deal. I don't think I can think of another Red Sox pitching prospects. Oh, well, I guess all right. Put a little effort into it. They're <laughs> kind of flowing in there. They haven't been good. <laughs> I mean, no, they they haven't. I mean, when you think about the big Red Sox pitching prospects from the last ten years or so, uh, they have not fared particularly well, and some have failed quite horribly. Uh, let me point you to Henry Owens. Um, not to not to hey, pick man, on he Owens, threw a no-no but in Portland. Yeah, that was cool for Portland fans at that game. Um, but not 
not all that helpful for the big league club. Um, but Bayo like really has the look of a guy who, who holds his stuff late and starts, um, very athletic, still a little bit undersized, nasty change up. Um, I think that Bayo, when mid season lists start to roll out for prospect publications, he's potentially a top 50 guy. And, I might even be conservative, be conservative by saying top fifty guy. I think Bayo with the proximity might be pushing like top forty, top thirty guy on some lists. I think he's really gonna pop. Well, in um, Baseball America's latest update, uh, he cracked the top one hundred. So he, and that was his first appearance on a top one hundred. He became the, I believe, fifth. Red Sox prospects on the top 100. Um, Damn. But I completely agree. Expect him to make a pretty big leap on all those mid-year lists. Um, probably to the middle of the lists with proximity. That seems pretty fair. Yeah, and, and this is a guy, too, that um, is going to have a bit of an innings limit for the Red Sox this year. Um, let me just pull up his page here for a second because I didn't have it up in front of me. But uh, Bayo pitched. Let me see how many innings he pitched last year. So last year looks like around 94 innings pitched. Um, this year he's already at uh, 50 innings pitched, a little bit over 50. Um, so... I would guess they probably run him somewhere to like 120, 125, 130 maybe uh, innings. So I think maybe when he gets to the, you know, 80 to 100 mark uh, at AAA uh, for the year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Red Sox call him up, give him a big, big league taste out of the bullpen to get the rest of those innings at the major league level and how about the team? What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that should absolutely happen. Uh, I was trying to pull this up real quickly. He actually hopped Jaron Duran. So he was actually number four uh, on the Red Sox list in the latest top 100. So he was, uh, I believe in 70 something, 79, something like that. So yeah, he's shooting up lists already. So yeah, mid, mid, Season top 100s, he is going to fly up those lists and is well-deserved because the man is electric. Yeah, he absolutely should be far ahead of uh, Durant uh, right now, even though, you know, Durant's having a fine season. But, you know, Bayo Bayo looks to have mid-rotation plus ceiling. And if, if something doesn't work out for him in the rotation, we're talking about a closer like electric arm. Uh, in the back so it's it's a very good profile for the Red Sox so hopefully this is the first guy who hits for them in a while but another guy I want to talk about who was also just recently promoted to Worcester is a guy who I saw a few weeks ago when I was in Portland uh, Brandon Walter uh, was promoted to Worcester uh, he carried a 2.88 ERA through nine starts uh, 50 innings pitched with Portland but the, the sexiest thing about Mr. Brandon Walter, uh, who was a 26th round selection, which is crazy, 
68 strikeouts to three walks. That's nuts. That is banana land. Holy smokes. And seriously, the game that I watched him, I mean, he like didn't throw a pitch out of the zone. It was incredible. It was just pounding the zone time after time after time after time. The delivery is just so repeatable, so smooth. Um, the fastball is not overpowering. It's like 90-92. But, you know, just really, really impressive stuff and really command, good command. Great feel for his secondaries. Um, he's excellent. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do uh, up in Worcester. What are your impressions of of Walter and his his fastball slider changeup combo? Yeah, this is pretty pretty crazy. Um, the I mean, the one thing that you and I constantly talk about is how um, well two things. One, there's no pitching depth in the upper minors for the Red Sox at all, and what the Red Sox do have um, at the at the major league level. Um, they don't have anybody with control. They just walk absolutely everybody. Both of those things are rapidly changing, and it is a it is a sight for sore eyes. Um, how much how effective this newfound depth will be is obviously yet to see. But just the fact that they have options now that they can turn to, uh, it's not something they have had in a really long time. So, uh, just having the options, I think, is already a, a plus. Um, and then you throw in a guy that's a, as electric as Bayo. I'm really excited to see what Walter can do at AAA level, see if he can keep this going. Uh, he has plowed through every single level. Um, the strikeouts have barely dipped. He's, the walks have been uh, incredibly consistent. I mean, they've actually taken a, a pretty big step forward, obviously with only three walks, but they have barely, barely ever been up above two per nine at any stop along the way for this kid. So this is incredible. Um, the caper nines have always been about 13, which is super impressive. So it's just, he has these dudes just absolutely baffled at every level. So uh, the fact that he was able to do this again at double A um, was not a surprise. And I'm really looking forward to see if he can do that, keep this going at triple A, because obviously this will be uh, the most difficult task yet. Um, a little bit elevated on the home run for fly ball rate there in that sample um, at high A and double A. Um, so obviously not a great park for that in Worcester as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. But as long as he's not walking anybody um, and really giving up any hits, it's not going to do a lot of damage. So it's kind of like, you know, Evaldi-esque, right? Like he's pitching it in the zone. So... There are times where he'll get taken advantage of and he'll give up the odd homer or two. But that's really going to be the only damage because he's not letting anybody else on base. He's striking everybody else out and not walking people. So um, it's a it's a home run for fly ball rate that you can live with because it's not adding any additional damage to it. So pretty exciting to watch. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and if you like pitchers, like guys that go out there and, and just aren't you know pulling a Michael Kopech and – overpowering guys uh, and Kopech has turned into a really great pitcher. So I'm not knocking him, but like, you know, that can be an exciting type of pitching, just blowing a hundred past guys and 
having just nasty stuff. And, you know, right now the Reds have a guy on the hill doing that against the Red Sox right now. And, and Hunter Green, who uh, struck out eight guys in three and two thirds in, in the outing that that is on <laughs> as we speak. Um, and that's cool. But me personally, uh, I prefer the more suave, the Rick Porcello types who uh, use guile and command and placement. Uh, and that is exactly what Brandon Walter is. So if you're if you're into that type of stuff, uh, you're really going to like this guy. Um, he's a lefty as well, so it, it's a really interesting profile. I think that Walter um, is going to be very relevant for this team in, in Bayo as well because, you know, we've mentioned this before on past podcasts, but I think it's worth uh, mentioning again that next year, you know, the only starting pitchers under contract for this team – Guaranteed, are are Sale Pavetta and uh, Garrett Whitlock. That's it. I mean, if you especially if you're not planning on starting Hauk, and maybe you are, but you know the the development of Bayo in potentially having Walter as a fifth starter next year are so legitimately Paxton. on the table. Yeah, and the Paxton thing isn't guaranteed though because true there's all these like options player and team and all this crazy stuff so like yeah maybe you have paxton but like walter could come up and be a fifth starter i'm very confident in that yes so nice to have that depth especially as a 26 rounder it's a nice piece of development there yeah i like it nice piece of development and pitching is not something we say a lot with the red Sox. so good deal (laughs) not at all all right so um continuing on with the positive stuff since we last talked keaton um the two of the remaining struggling starters for this team and i mean starters like in the field uh, alex verdugo and bobby dalbeck who's only part-time a starter now uh have really gotten it going uh verdugo's got 100 wrc plus over the last week that's only going to go up uh, tonight, after having a pretty good game so far, a couple ribbies for him. Um, and Dahlbeck, 212 WRC plus last week with uh, some jacks there. Um, really starting to turn the corner. Um, Verdugo is, is particularly interesting. So we got a question from Jay Beckwith that we'll address right now. It says, why is uh, Alex Verdugo still hitting fifth? Uh, and the reason why is because if you pull up Alex Verdugo's uh, baseball savant page, there's a whole lot of red. And red is what you want to see. I mean, K percentage is 95th percentile, barrel percentage 58th, batting average, expected batting average 80th percentile, you know, X slug 83rd percentile. Uh, he's hitting the ball way better than what his numbers are showing. And I think that continuing to bat him fifth is Bloom and Cora and everybody else's way of saying like, look, Verdugo, we believe in you. Uh, keep doing this and and things are going to turn. Yeah, I mean, can't remember when exactly we, I mean, I could pull it up right now. Uh, his, yeah, his, his BABIP this year, even with the good luck he's had over the last um, week is still like, 80 points over 80 points below his career mark it's like he's just had an absurd amount of bad luck yeah and like you said you pull up his savant page 
and he's hitting it way better than the results have shown. And it's pretty pretty clear to see. And now it's just starting to turn in that positive direction again. So, yeah, that was just them being like, hey, we get it. We see you're making the contact you need to. It's just, you know, it hasn't fallen for you the way it usually falls. But we think that's going to change. And here now it's starting to change. Yeah, and it's worth noting as well that his barrel percentage, his barrels per plate appearance, all that stuff is actually at a career high for him. Um, so there's there's good stuff in his future. If you are a, a fantasy baseball player, go out there and try and uh, acquire the old 26-year-old uh, lefty Alex Verdugo right now. You might be able to get him for a song while people are, are down on him, so... Not that this is a fantasy podcast, Keaton, but had to give some advice. Moving on to guys who you most certainly cannot acquire in your fantasy leagues. Uh, Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts. Uh, I wanted to drop this on you, Keaton, and see how you feel about this. Both of them have positive defensive value, according to fan graphs this year. It is not an illusion what you have seen. These men are playing good defense. How's that yeah. sit with you? That sits great with me. I've been I've been telling you, man. Through all the bad stuff, I've been pointing out how good the defense is. You this have. You've been lost. banging that defensive drum. <laughs> I have. Yeah, that's, I mean, those two guys in particular put a massive emphasis on improving their defense this offseason, and it is coming to fruition. So that that is good on their hard work, and those two guys. I mean, they they they, they needed to like Devers. Um, I don't think he was in huge. Uh, like I don't think he was um, gonna lose his like position at third anytime soon. Um, but Bogarts very clearly was. <laughs> was and potentially still is going to lose playing shortstop um, unless some major changes happened. Um, so there was a little bit more urgency there for him. Um, so it is is really good to see that take place. So um, I am not surprised at all, though, because uh, I think we, particularly with Devers, because his his errors weren't like, they were all just like footwork related stuff. So that, like that you can train that uh, you could work those out and like through practice and repetition, you can get all that stuff worked out. It wasn't this like they weren't non-correctable issues that he had. Bogarts, I'm really surprised, um, particularly like with just how long he's been in the position. Like at, at some point you just kind of like are who you are. And I thought we kind of had hit that with Bogarts. Um, and you and I talked about, like, he may not have been the best defensive shortstop. Uh, the numbers would tell you he was pretty close to the worst, which um, was surprising because when you just when you are passing Bogarts through the eye test, more often than not, he will make the play. Um, it's like the extreme range plays that he would struggle with um, that the more flashy shortstops would make, um, which made him feel like pretty just reliable shortstop um but now he's really making a lot of a lot of really great plays and even some rangy plays um he's made a lot of 
particularly going to his right, he's had a ton of really good plays going to his right this year. And that's, that is something that has stood out because he's never really been able to make those plays. Um, and that is really fun to see because those are always like, that's, that's the pinnacle for a shortstop is going to your right range and making that play and having a cross body throw over to first base to get a runner. That's like, that is, that's it right there. It doesn't get better than that. And he's had a really, he's like a had, had a handful of really nice range plays to his right. I love seeing it, man. It's just, it's nice to see a guy in his contract year improving the thing that everybody's been dogging him for. And, like, you're absolutely right. We've always defended Bogarts' defense. It's nothing special, but it's good. And um, you know what's also real flashy and nice is is being 40% above league average at offense and delivering super professional at-bats. Every single time. That's flashy. I like that. And I want that on my team for like the next eight to ten years. What do you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm coming in with the, the jalapeno popper spicy takes today. Um, All right. Let's move on to a question that is quite relevant. Keaton, Wait, for... real quick. Oh. I wanted to. Oh, well, that's a bummer. What happened? I was uh, so as I was looking at the defensive run saved uh, by position. Mm-hmm. The last time I looked, the Red Sox had one position that was negative. First and base, it was, or sorry, yeah, I guess it was two. It was first base and surprisingly second base. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, second base is completely turned around. It's plus five. It's actually their best position now. Um, Not surprising. Yeah, first base is still minus. Uh, but shortstop's a minus three now. Mm. Well, never mind. Let's uh, let's go back to before I took all the wind out of our sails and, <laughs> and just uh, go back to what you were doing. Okay. Well, what I was going to do is I was going to pivot to Jimmy Fitz's question, uh, who who wants to talk about Devers here, um, and for good reason. He says, "How much for Devers?" Uh, asking how much it's going to cost to lock up Devers long-term. We've already talked about how good Devers uh, is uh, defensively this year versus past years, but also he's slugging 605, and he's got the same WRC plus as red-hot Mookie Betts at 177 right now. So the dude is in the MVP discussion. What's it going to cost for my man Devers to be a Red Sox for life? Well, speaking of that... Good old Mookie Betts. I uh, when I saw this question, I hopped over to my favorite website, um, or second favorite website behind Over the Monster, um, Spotrack, because they have a really awesome feature of calculated market value. Um, so I went over, pulled up Mr. Raphael Tevers, went over to his market value, and it says comparable players: twenty-seven-year-old Carlos Correa, twenty-seven-year-old Francisco Lindor. 27-year-old Corey Seager, and 27-year-old Mookie Betts. That is the age he was when he signed his 12-year, $365 million contract with the Dodgers. Um, Actually, all those guys signed their massive deals when they were 27 years old. Um, So I don't know if that makes you feel good, considering um, that, that big deal there with Mookie was not signed with the Red Sox. Very notably, mm. <laughs> was not signed with the Red Sox, uh, but they have his current 
uh, as we stand today, market value at $31.9 million AAV. Uh, and they have uh, projecting him to sign his contract when his uh, when he is eligible at the age of 27 years old. Uh, they have him projected for an 11-year, $355 million contract. That's an AAV of $32.2 million. And boy, does that sound correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does sound correct. I'll tell you what I'd give him. I would offer him... Nine years at thirty-two million per, which comes out to two hundred and eighty-eight million bucks, and I think Devers would take that. That's a high AAV. Yeah, that is. I mean, that's a, that's the AAV that good old Spotrac has, just uh, not the length. Yeah, but that is no qualms for me. I mean, if it's gonna get it done. It's not my money. It's John Henry's money. Screw him. Um, <laughs> 100%. Pay him $300, $310. I don't care. Get this deal done. There's no excuse not to get it done. You own a soccer team. Your group just went out and bought another soccer team, AC Milan, I think it was what it was. But I don't care. Stop buying soccer teams and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Go ahead and lock up Devers and Bogarts. I do not care about the Penguins. I do not care about Liverpool. Sorry. Um, I don't care about the racing team. I only care about the Red Sox. So, John Henry, spend your money. You can't bring it to your grave. Next question. Gabriel Jesus says, who's next on the fake IL list? Good question. I don't know if there is. I mean, I would I would have said Dahlbuck, but like you said, he's sort of turning it around. I still would be fine with him taking a break. Uh, I'll just say any other member of the pen, not named Strom, Hauk, or Schreiber. It's fine with me. Yeah. Guys, guys stink. Um... Yeah, I don't know. There's no real obvious guy here for me either. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question comes from Ivan L. Apex. He says, Brian Reynolds and David Bednar for Jaron Duran, Chris Murphy, and Hauk. Who says no? What do you think says no in that deal there? Bednar, quite good this year. One three eight ERA. A uh, ton of strikeouts, not uh, not walking anyone, would definitely lock down the closer spot. And Brian Reynolds uh, coming off a great year for him, 6.1 war year, not a free agent till 2026. Although he has ha- is having a down year so far this year. He's only hitting 212. So what do you think? He's only hitting 212, but everything else it looks really great. It's basically like having the uh, um, Verdugo thing. Like his BABIP is 105 points lower. <laughs> Yeah, than it was a year ago, and it, like, yeah, it's basically just the the bad news. I think the <laughs> Pittsburgh says no to this pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, to to get this deal done, you would have to add one of the top three names uh, in the system in there instead of Duran. So probably like York or or Mayer or uh, or Casas. Um, probably York. I'd do it. I'd do it. 
I'd throw York in there. Because, cause, I mean, York is probably ultimately going to end up in a corner outfield spot anyway. Um, so why not get a 27-year-old all-star who's controllable through 2026? So I would, I would do that. Would you do that? Mm, yeah, I think I do. Those two guys are good, and they're under control for a very long time. Yep. Absolutely. All right, next one here comes from uh, Moncton Scout. Am I totally missing something, or is that a nonsense name? Moncton Monc- Scout? Moncton Scout. Okay. Moncton um, is a place. Oh, okay. So maybe he's a scout from Moncton. Maybe it's not a nonsense name. Uh, if the Red Sox yeah, maintain their current Canada, man. Oh, well, I hate her. You know what? Canada's a lovely place. So I hope that Moncton is great. Uh, if the Red Sox maintain their current winning percentage, do they trade Devers, Bogarts, and JD Martinez? Oh, I take everything nice I said back about Moncton. Uh, I hate this question. Um, if they trade Devers and Bogarts, uh, I'm signing off the podcast. Uh, if if JD Martinez uh, is is still hitting as well as he is, he's carrying like a 180 WRC plus right now, and he's in the last year of his deal. Of course, you trade him uh, to a contender, um, but no, you do not. You do not trade Devers or Bogarts. Um, Regardless, I am I crazy there, or I mean, are you with me? I am with you. All right. Would you trade JD on all counts? Yeah, I would. Okay. Great. Uh, Tanner McGrath says, "When will the pain end?" And luckily for us, Brittany Judd answered him in the comments, and she says, "It never ends when you're a Sox fan." Do you agree with Brittany Judd's fatalistic take on being a Red Sox fan? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Excellent. We'll just move on because that was just about perfect. Um, no, another one from Ivano Apex. He says, "Would you give up Mayor York and Duran for Juan Soto?" Hundred percent, dude. Every I day would, of the week and ten times on Sunday. I would give up literally the entire farm system and just be like, "Well, I'll start over next year." Yeah, I mean, you're uh, Mayor and York are one and two, and you're best hope your 100 percentile outcome for them is that they're Juan Soto and you could get him for that 100 yeah you literally just give you're uh, trading the risk away completely so yeah a thousand percent you you give Rizzo the list of all of the minor leaguers and just have like a little checkbox next to him and be like well tell me who you want I'll send them you just you package package Juan Soto down here Tell him, we'll also do you the favor of taking Patrick Corbin in that contract. Sure. I would literally do whatever it took uh, yep. to, to to get that deal done within reason. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, go eat poop or something, but... <laughs> I would. I would do it. You would eat a poop? I would eat a poop for one soda. All right. Well, there you go. You have it here. Poop will be eaten. Uh, over the past six games, your favorite beer is, and this is from Mark Gardner, uh, we've definitely needed beer over the past six games. So, Keaton, what have you been drinking? 
Well, you know, I am a I'm a darker beer guy. I'm uh, I'm not one of the IPA hoppy fellas. Um, so I'm a stout year round kind of guy. Oh, yeah. So I got some Allagash North Sky in the fridge that I've been enjoying. Oh, man. Keeping it yep. true to your home state. Yeah, Allagash, my favorite brew. Okay. Well, well, for me, if I'm drinking a beer, uh, I am I am also not one of these hopsters. Uh, I really, really like sours, and I really, really like a, a very crisp German lager. So a nice uh, Spaten or... Uh, you know, any sort of crisp German blonde lager, uh, really just does it for me. So, or, or just hand me a Heineken too. That's fine. I, I like, uh, Stella. Stella's nice. Uh, any, any of those nice clean beers makes me quite happy. Modelo, Especial. Yes. I really wish I could remember who it was but last time i was home in bar harbor i had a blueberry marshmallow sour Ooh, and it was spectacular it was you, just delightful you actually sent me a picture of that i did uh, yeah yeah and i remember thinking that i really wanted to drink that beer uh yep yeah apologies to whatever brewery made that masterpiece but it was just delightful yeah, that sounds great. Blueberries, I have I have really come to uh one one thing that Keaton has done for me. Uh Keaton and my my almost 1-year-old daughter have done for me is made me appreciate blueberries. Um because I used to be kind of lukewarm on blueberries, but it's my daughter's favorite fruit, and so I have them all the time now. And you've been espousing the greatness of blueberries, and now my daughter loves them, and I'm like, I can't get enough blueberries. They're great. They're an amazing they fruit. So, yeah, I'm team blueberry now. Blueberries are tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's our show today. So, Keaton, um, you know, thank you for for uh, you know touting blueberries and volunteering to eat a poop if it means that uh, Juan Soto would come here. <laughs> and uh, also, you know, the listeners out there, keep the questions coming. Let us know what your favorite fruit is. Uh, let us know if you would also eat a poop for Juan Soto to come here. And, uh, you know, listen to the show, uh, all of our shows on the network. We have the Red Sox on Deck podcast, as well as Keaton and uh, Bailey with the Precap podcast. So tune into those. Follow Keaton on, on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. Follow me at, at Dev Jake and follow the Over the Monster uh, account at, at Over the Monster. And uh, happy trails to our fearless leader, uh, Matt Collins, who is moving on to bigger and better things uh, and will no longer be with the site. But uh, Matt was just the tremendous uh, leader of the site. So I just wanted to, to end the show with, with thanking him and shouting him out he's done tremendous work so you know reach out to him at the over the monster handle as well and let him know if you appreciated his work over the years so thanks for being with us guys we'll be with you next week Bye.